Good morning, friends. Today is Wednesday, the 23rd of September, 2020. I'm sorry that I wasn't with you yesterday. We're going to do a little bit of makeup catch up today and read the readings for yesterday and today. Well, some of them. So our readings for today are Psalm 119 verses 97 through 120. We're going to read Esther 5, 1 through 14. I'm sorry, not Esther. We're going to read Judith chapter 8, verses 9 through 17, chapter 9, verses 1 and 7 through 10, and chapter 10, verses 1 through 23. We will also read Acts chapter 18, verses 12 through 28, and chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We will read the Gospel of Luke chapter 3, verse 15 through 22 and chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God is the rock of our salvation. O come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to God a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For you are our God. And we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. 
God is the rock of our salvation. O come, let us worship. Psalm 119 Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O God, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O God, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Go away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise, that I may live. And let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe, and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go away from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you count as dross, therefore I love your decrees. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Judith. When Judith heard the harsh words spoken by the people against the ruler, because they were faint for lack of water, and when she heard all that Uzziah said to them, and how he promised them under oath to surrender the town to the Assyrians after five days. She sent her maid, who was in charge of all she possessed, to summon Uzziah and Shabri and Sharmi, the elders of her town. They came to her and she said to them, Listen to me, rulers of the people of Bethulia. What you have said to the people today is not right. You have even sworn and pronounced this oath between God and you, promising to surrender the town to our enemies unless God turns and helps us within so many days. Who are you to put God to the test today and set yourselves up in the place of God in human affairs? You are putting God Almighty to the test, but you will never learn anything. You cannot plumb the depths of the human heart, 
or understand the workings of the human mind, how do you expect to search out God, who made all these things, and find out God's mind or comprehend God's thought? No, my siblings, do not anger our God. For if God does not choose to help us within these five days, God has power to protect us within any time God pleases, or even to destroy us in the presence of our enemies. Do not try to bind the purposes of our God, for God is not like a human being to be threatened, or like a mere mortal to be won over by pleading. Therefore, while we wait for God's deliverance, let us call upon God to help us, and God will hear our voice if it pleases them. Then Judith prostrated herself, put ashes on her head, and uncovered the sackcloth she was wearing. At the very time when the evening incense was being offered in the house of God in Jerusalem, Judith cried out to God with a loud voice and said, Here now are the Assyrians, a greatly increased force, priding themselves in their horses and riders, boasting in the strength of their foot soldiers, and trusting in shield and spear, and bow and sling. They do not know that you are the God who crushes wars. God is your name. Break their strength by your might, and bring down their power in your anger. For they intend to defile your sanctuary and to pollute the tabernacle where your glorious name resides, and to break off the horns of your altar with the sword. Look at their pride and send your wrath upon their heads. Give to me, a widow, the strong hand to do what I plan. By the deceit of my lips, strike down the slave with the... By the deceit of my lips, strike down the slave with the royalty and the royalty with their servant, crush their arrogance by the hand of a woman. When Judith had stopped crying out to the God of Israel and had ended all these words, she rose from where she lay prostrate. She called her maid and went down into the house where she lived on Sabbaths and on her festal days. She removed the sackcloth she had been wearing, took off her widow's garments, bathed her body with water, and anointed herself with precious ointment. She combed her hair, put on a tiara, and dressed herself in the festive attire that she used to wear while her husband Manasseh was living. She put sandals on her feet and put on her ankles bracelets, rings, earrings, and all her other jewelry. Thus, she made herself very beautiful to entice the eyes of all the men who might see her. She gave her maid a skin of wine and a flask of oil, and filled a bag with roasted grain, dried fig cakes, and fine bread. Then she wrapped up all her dishes and gave them to her to carry. Then they went out to the town gate of Bethulia and found Uzziah standing there with the elders of the town, Shabri and Sharmi. When they saw her transformed in appearance and dressed differently, they were very greatly astounded at her beauty and said to her, May the God of our ancestors grant you favor and fulfill your plans, so that the people of Israel may glory and Jerusalem may be exalted. She bowed down to God. 
Then she said to them, Order the gate of the town to be opened for me, so that I may go out and accomplish the things you have just said to me. So they ordered the young men to open the gate for her, as she requested. When they had done this, Judith went out, accompanied by her maid. The men of the town watched her until she had gone down the mountain and passed through the valley, where they lost sight of her. As the women were going straight on through the valley, an Assyrian patrol met her and took her into custody. They asked her, To what people do you belong, and where are you going? And where are you coming from? She replied, I am a daughter of the Hebrews, but I am fleeing from them, for they are about to be handed over to you to be devoured. I am on my way to see Holofernes, the commander of your army, to give him a true report. I will show him a way by which he can go and capture all the hill country without losing one of his men, captured or slain. When the men heard her words and observed her face, she was in their eyes marvelously beautiful. They said to her, You have saved your life by hurrying down to see our Lord. Go at once to his tent. Some of us will escort you and hand you over to him. When you stand before him, have no fear in your heart, but tell him what you have just said, and he will treat you well. They chose from their number a hundred men to accompany her and her maid, and they brought them to the tent of Holofernes. There was great excitement in the whole camp, for her arrival was reported from tent to tent. They came and gathered around her as she stood outside the tent of Holofernes, waiting until they told him about her. They marveled at her beauty and admired the Israelites, judging them by her. They said to one another, Who can despise these people who have women like this among them? Is it not wise to leave one of their men alive? It is not wise to leave one of their men alive. For if they, we let them go, they will be able to beguile the whole world. Then the guards of Holofernes and all his servants came out and led her into the tent. Holofernes was resting on his bed under a canopy that was woven with purple and gold, emeralds and other precious stones. When they told him of her, he came to the front of the tent, with silver lamps carried before him. When Judith came into the presence of Holofernes and his servants, they all marveled at the beauty of her face. She prostrated herself and did obeisance to him. But his slaves raised her up. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle G, a song of Ezekiel. I will take you from among all nations and gather you from all lands to bring you home. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and purify you from false gods and uncleanness. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit put within you. I will take the stone heart from your chest and give you a heart of flesh. I will help you walk in my laws and cherish my commandments and do them. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Acts. But when Gallio was proconsul of Acacia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. They said, This man is persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, 
Gallo said to the Jew, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of crime or serious villainy, I would be justified in accepting the complaint of you Jews. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I do not wish to be a judge of these matters, and he dismissed them from the tribunal. Then all of them seized Sosthenes, the official of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of these things. After staying there for a considerable time, Paul said farewell to the believers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. At Crenche, he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow. When they reached Ephesus, he left them there. But first he himself went into the synagogue and had a discussion with the Jews. When they asked him to stay longer, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you, if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from place to place through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of God, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the word of God to him more the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished and when he wished to cross over to Akatia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about twelve of them. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke out boldly and argued persuasively about the kingdom of God, when some stubbornly refused to believe and spoke evil of the way before the congregation, he left them, taking the disciples with him, and argued daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, 
so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle S, a song of our true nature. Christ revealed our frailty in our falling, our trespasses and our humiliations. Christ also revealed their blessed power, their blessed wisdom and love. Christ protects us as tenderly and as sweetly when we are in greatest need. Christ raises us in spirit and turns everything to glory and joy without ending. God is the ground and the substance, the very essence of nature. God is the true father and mother of natures. We are all, bond, we are all bound to God by nature. And we are all bound to God by grace. And this grace is for all the world. Because it is our precious mother, Christ. For this fair nature was prepared by Christ for the honor and nobility of all. And for the joy and bliss of salvation. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 3 verses 15 through 22 and 4, 1 through 13. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting, John, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my begotten, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the begotten of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone as I please. If you then, 
will worship me. It will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship your sovereign God and serve only God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the begotten of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, God will command their angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put your sovereign God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for bearing with me through my morning (laughs) stumbling voice and through the long readings this morning. I really appreciate it. It's nice to be here with you, my friends. This is a time of grieving for me. Um, I'm really grieving for RBG, which I know might seem a little excessive. And as so often happens, whenever I'm grieving a new loss, I go back and re-grieve the loss of my father. For those of you that don't know me personally and well, I lost my father when I was 12 to brain cancer. And it was a difficult thing, difficult circumstances for sure. And I did not grieve at the time. So now I find myself regrieving that loss. But when we know what to expect, I think we can relax into the transformative process with God a little bit better and go a little bit deeper. So my prayer is that now in my grief, I would find the blessings of God. The other day we talked about RBG and St. Matthew and how they were conduits of God's love in the world and how their their accomplishments the greatness and holiness and wonderfulness of their presence does not go with them and we must the we being our entire community must step forward step up and be conduits of God's love ourselves And I think that that's a lot what our readings were about today. Our readings from Judith are fascinating to me because Judith is asking God to make her representative of her people and to be used as a vessel to strike down the enemy. And it just, it always kind of astonishes me how we can, how one human group can consider themselves beloved and blessed by God and another human group not to be, you know, use me to strike down my enemy who is not of you because they don't belong to you, 
they are not yours. They are humans, but not of God. Like I, I just don't quite, I don't quite get that part. And I, I don't have clear understanding, but I do understand the beautiful vindication and them being in their arrogance, being crushed by the hand of a woman, as Judith says, I think that, I think that if we're being really clear eyed and honest, we can feel that way about Jesus a bit, a brown guy of a disenfranchised class devalued was the one that came and saved the world, you know? And I, particularly like it when God shows God's strength through those that our world would consider to not have strength, you know, um, a young girl for climate change is a recent example, or I should say for climate preservation. I think you know what I mean. (laughs) Forgive me again. I just seem to be a little foggy headed this morning. Thank you for bearing with me. I think like Judith says that, well, first of all, I think Judith is brave and full of the spirit for standing up to the rulers of her people and saying, what you have said is not right. I think that takes courage and bravery and faith. And, you know, I I have a friend who says that she just feels buffeted by all of the different opinions coming at her and she just wishes people would keep their opinions to themselves and I totally understand that I totally understand that feeling it feels very overwhelming right now and yet there is a tension there because I also believe incredibly strongly that you must speak up and stand up for what is right That you must not, as we'll get to in our readings later, look the other way and do nothing. I don't believe that is God's will. Now, I don't believe that the same person speaks up in the same way every time. But I do believe that to stand by while evil is being done is not God's will. I think Judith, in recognizing that she has no understanding or has very limited understanding, is very wise. What she says about in verses 14 through 16, you cannot plumb the depths of the human heart or understand the workings of the human mind, yet you expect to search out God who made all these things and find out God's mind or comprehend God's thoughts. Like you can't, we can't even understand the human brain yet. And yet you think you're going to understand the will of the creator who made the human brain? Like, um, probably not my friend. And she goes on to say that God has power to protect us within any time God pleases. And I think what Uzziah and the others have done with this, this ultimatum to God, this deadline, deliver us in five days or else. We humans often do in our hearts, you know, even recently I heard a coworker of mine because she, the way she put it was she had not heard from God in a certain time frame. What 
I'm going to get a little presumptuous here, guys. What she meant was God had not done what she wanted God to do within the prescribed time frame. And so she was, according to her own word, losing faith. We must not lose faith because God does not respond in the prescribed way that we expect or desire God to. As Judah says here, do not try to bind the purposes of our sovereign God for God is not like a human being. We can't conceive and God's time is not linear. It is eternal. And so God is saving even as we speak. It is our own limited understanding and existence that gets in the way of our understanding it. So the better prayer in my mind would be to allow us a glimpse and insight into how God is already rescuing, saving, and vindicating us. And then for the wisdom to cooperate with that movement in our lives. And I know that sounds really squishy, but what I'm trying to say is, let's say, for example, we are praying for God to end racism and our limited human imagining of that is all the leaders of our country suddenly come forward and make a statement saying, I was wrong. I was racist. I want to be better. I'm going to do better. And these are the things that I'm doing, the laws that I'm changing and enacting in order to end racism. And then when that doesn't happen, we're like, God's not helping us. I believe the better prayer and spiritual effort put forth on our parts would be to pray for a vision of what the end of racism looks like. A glimpse for God's dominion here on earth. And then secondarily, once we have that vision encapsulated in our minds, pray for the wisdom, strength, and courage to do our part in co-creating that reality. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Now, we talked a little bit about Acts already, about how, and this is interesting because it's so parallel to what happened with Jesus, right? But... Um, Gallio, the proconsul, doesn't want to deal with the attack on Paul. And so he pays no attention, pays no attention to any of these things, just looks the other way, doesn't want to be a part of it at all. And I think that that is exactly what we're not supposed to do. This is a cautionary tale. This is Gallio not following the will of God. And, and Paul is undissuaded. Paul goes on and speaks the word to all of Asia. So I think when we discern that it is not our moment to be the vessel in a particular place, we move on. We don't waste our effort, or I should say we don't misplace our effort into an endeavor that is not going to 
bear good fruit, maybe would be the good way to put that. We go on in the next place. Even Jesus shook the dust off his sandals and moved on when it was not a habitable environment for the love of God to be spread. So I think that's an important lesson for us too is timing, right? And that's so hard because the heart is impatient and often out of very good intentions, we want what we want right now. We desire for our beloveds and for our enemies to be filled with God's love, to know God's healing right now. (laughs) And I think turning away because the timing is not right is a very difficult thing to do. I I had to do that myself recently um, to turn away from something because the timing was not right. And it was really hard. I'm actually kind of grieving that along with the other losses I talked about. So I know these things I am saying are not easy. Lastly, let's talk about our gospel reading from Luke. I just love this one where John the Baptist talks about, basically John the Baptist refused to take, refuses to take glory that is not his. He gives it all to Christ. And I picture us when we encounter God, hearing from God just as Jesus did, because we are siblings in Christ and beloved descendants begotten and children of God through Christ. So I imagine us hearing just like Christ did. You are my child. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. What greater recognition for our efforts could we possibly want? And I think that if I may be so bold, Jesus felt the fullness of that moment and held on to the deep love, peace, and joy of that encounter as he went forward into the wilderness. And friends, that's what we need to do. I know I've said this before, so please bear with me. But when we have those moments, those encounters with the divine, where we feel full up with God's love, we must commemorate them, treasure them, store them up as Mary did, so that when we go forth into the wilderness, Our souls are full. Our tanks are full. Would be a less or be a more mundane way of putting it. But and then we have so much to draw from. Because God's presence, the living water, never dries up, is never depleted. And one of the ways in which we take care of ourselves, prepare ourselves so that we can not just survive, but actually live out our purpose in the wilderness is by filling ourselves 
with the Holy Spirit, with God. And I'm telling you, it, <laughs> I, I sound like a self-help person, but it really does work. <laughs> in, in my life, I, I had a beautiful encounter while, while walking on the beach in a nature preserve with a dear friend and with my son. And I treasured that up in my heart. My way of commemorating things is to write about them. So I wrote a poem about it. And I have come back to it over and over and over again during this wilderness time. And it has helped sustain me. It's like I keep coming back and dipping into that well of the spirit and of life. So I wish this for you, my friends, for all of us, that we encounter the divine and that we mark the spot of that holy ever-flowing spring so that we can go back and dip our cup into it again and again. Amen. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In place of the suffrages, we are going to use the litany for healing. We will use the one found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2, on page 33. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. God, the creator, your will for all people is health and salvation. We praise you and thank you, O God. God, the incarnate, you came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. We praise you and thank you, O God. God, the Holy Spirit, you make our bodies the temple of your presence. We praise you and thank you, O God. Holy Trinity, one God, in you we live and move and have our being. We praise you and thank you, O God. God, grant your healing grace to all who are sick, 
injured or disabled, that they may be made whole. Hear us, O God of life. Grant to all who seek your guidance and to all who are lonely, anxious, or despondent a knowledge of your will and an awareness of your presence. Hear us, O God of life. Mend broken relationships and restore those in emotional distress to soundness of mind and serenity of spirit. Hear us, O God of life. Bless physicians, nurses, and all others who minister to the suffering, granting them wisdom and skill, sympathy and patience. Hear us, O God of life. Grant to the dying peace and a holy death, and uphold by the grace and consolation of your Holy Spirit, those who are bereaved. Hear us, O God of life. Restore to wholeness whatever is broken by human sin in our lives, in our nation, and in the world. Hear us, O God of life. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your power among the peoples. With you, O God, is the well of life, and in your light we see light. Hear us, O God of life. Heal us and make us whole. Let us pray. our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. O God, ruler eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let us use the prayer of St. Francis as our prayer for mission. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. 
Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Let's have a moment of silence and pray the prayers of our hearts. Almighty God, giver of all mercies, we, your co-creators, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to, all, to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies, that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives. By giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We live without fear for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.